He is good. Um, I, you're probably thinking, what about, the, I like the Fremont. So do I. I, lo- I love the Fremont. Um, but, so we're still going to be meeting here uh, quarterly. We'll have worship nights here that we'll still do. And uh, we're still going to be very much a part of this downtown uh, area. But um, let me just tell you real quick kind of some details of this of where we're at right now in our building project. Uh, so we are excited about this, uh, this unique opportunity because it is a unique time in our, in our country's uh, life cycle with COVID-19. Everything that happened over the last 20, uh, you know, 20 months or so, we really, uh, <laughs> we realized that having a building is important when there's a pandemic. And we understand that the nature of, of where we're at as a country, there's a lot of things that are, uh, a lot of disagreement on what's best practice. We'll just say that, okay? And I, what I understand from um, what the Lord has been speaking to me and what our trustees have all kind of determined, the minute we, you know, the minute we got this building opportunity, I, I called up our trustees. I said, hey, we got to have a talk. Uh, we got this opportunity. Let's pray. And we all began to pray. And uh, real quickly, we all agreed, hey, this, let's go after this. But, um, you know, this is a unique season of our uh, of our country's life cycle. And churches have been um, displaced. A lot of churches have been displaced. A lot of ARC churches that we started off as a, a church plant through the ARC. Um, a lot of churches weren't able to do church in physical locations because they rented from schools and other locations. And by the grace of God, we were able to move outdoors uh, at, the, at the kind of the peak of this whole COVID thing. And we were able to go over to church at Avila Beach. And that was amazing. Uh, ch- having church at noon and, and 1.30 though, was crazy. I can't believe we grew during the pandemic. Uh, we might have lost some serve team members, but man, we grew with some new people. So serve team members, come on back. If you left, you're like, I don't know that church. Going to Mountain Brook, they got a campus. Uh, you guys with me this morning? Hey, I'm so excited about this. Um, do me a favor. Let's welcome everyone joining us online right now. Welcome to church. Thanks for being here. Um, I just want to let you know, um, we are going to be really positioning ourselves for expansion. Uh, Many of you guys come from North County. This building, this permanent location on Johnson is going to help us to kind of create a broadcast location. So when we open up our North County location, we'll be able to focus all of our resources, all of our portable church infrastructure to our North County location. So what's going to happen is this is going to be really a broadcast location where we're going to be able to not only reach North County because we'll have uh, all of our stuff kind of settled in. We'll have a lot more resources to begin focusing on other areas, doing pop-up church in South County and beyond. And and I just feel like God is really positioning our church uh, to reach people that are far from God. I don't know what it is about active church. I don't know what it is. I know what it is. It's the anointing of God, but it's not active church isn't special. It's the local church mobilized is what God is all about. And, um, and I just feel like this season is going to allow us, it's going to facilitate so many more people coming to know Jesus. A building is just a tool and in the right hands, a tool can be used to create some amazing things. And so I think that God is just using this building as a tool to help resource his church, the local church, so that we can expand and reach even more people in our city and in our county. So um, what does that mean for us, for you? Uh, I want to inv- uh, kind of invite you out to a vision night. We're having a dinner. Um, it's on December the 3rd, and it's gonna be held at the, uh, the Cypress Ridge Pavilion. Uh, my good friend, Cole Gibson, who's actually an attender here, he, uh, he gave us an opportunity um, 
you know, we're renting uh, that, the space from him and his, his, his company. He says, hey, uh, we, we, we have a spot for you. It'll facilitate this dinner. And so it's right there next to Cypress Ridge Golf Course. And it's going to be a, an, a great, just a sit-down dinner, full-plated deal. It's going to be all fancy. You can dress up. It'll be a, kind of a Christmassy kind of time. Can you guys believe we're almost in Christmas? Come on. Um, I was just at Target the other day. I'm like, it's, it's Christmas. It's official. Mariah Carey's playing. Thought we just had October. We just got through Halloween. But um, this dinner is, if it, it, you should see some of these are being passed out. You should have one if you want one. Um, on the, I think it's the sixth page, there's a little thing that says Kingdom Builders Dinner. And right there, you can scan that QR card. If you just open up your phone and you just use your camera, what you can do is you can just, I'm sure we're all familiar with these QR codes by now, but if you're not, I'm going to explain it. Um, <laughs> You can point your camera and it'll pop up a little, uh, little website right there. That will be a way for you to register you and a guest or whoever you want to bring to the dinner. We're going to talk about the vision of the church. We're going to talk about where we've been, where we're going, and how you can be a part of that. Uh, we're also going to be talking about what it means to be a kingdom builder. This is going to be a new kind of a team I'm putting together of people that feel called to partner with us financially. And maybe you're already partnering with us financially. Praise God for that. Praise God for you. But I want to give you a lane so that you can see what's happening in the life of our church from a financial perspective and then be able to pray with us, partner with us, and have you uh, give you a kind of a, a way for you to self-identify, for you to say, you know what, I want to be a part of the kingdom builders. I'm going to give regularly. I'm going to give above and beyond. And this is a way for you to self-identify for those of you that feel like, man, I'm, I think I have the gift of giving. I want to be a part of this church for the long haul. We would love to invite you out to share some more vision, but this is for anybody that wants to come. This isn't just us getting a, the, the people that have the biggest pockets. That's not, that's not the goal of this. The goal is that we would all, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice, amen? So I don't care if you, you're like, man, I work at, you know, I work at uh, In-N-Out. Praise God. you make like 24 bucks an hour, by the way. I mean, <laughs> you're pretty good. You're making like a teacher's wage. I'm like, holy cow, I'm gonna start working at In-N-Out. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is Jesus was never concerned about the amount of the gift. He was always concerned about the heart of the giver. He was never concerned about the money. Remember the girl, the lady that came up and he goes, hey, bro, Peter, check this out. See this woman right here? She gave two pennies. He goes, that woman gave more than all the religious people because she didn't give out of her surplus. She gave out of her deficit. It's about sacrifice. And so I want, to, I, want to, I want to challenge our church. Could we give sacrificially this year to the work of God so that we could take possession of this building? I think we can. We're in ESCO right now, and we will, we will get the building. We will renovate it. We will make it amazing. We will make it a place where you're going to be excited to bring your kids and your friends. It's going to be, it's going to be cooler than this place. I promise you, it's going to be amazing. You're going to walk in and go, this feels like, this feels amazing. I love this. And it's all so that we can reach people with the message of the gospel of Christ. But here's the, here's the caveat. We will get there. It's their destination. It's locked in. How fast we get there will be determined by the pace setters of those that are generous to our church. So I'm gonna ask you, would you be generous in this season and pray about giving to Active Church's building fund? So what does that mean? You're gonna hear all about that at the Kingdom Builders Dinner. Make sure you register. And on December 5th, we do this every year, we're gonna have a big legacy offering and all that's gonna to go towards the, towards the building fund and we're gonna see God give us this building. It's gonna be awesome. If you're with me, say amen. Let me pray and we'll go ahead and jump into the word. You guys excited? I believe you. I believe you. Are you guys excited? All right, cool. Well, I'm excited. We're going to meet with God right now and then we're going to get out of here and some of you guys are going to go have brunch. 
Others are just going to get a tri-tip sandwich. You're breaking all the rules. 11 o'clock. We'll be out of here in less than 35 minutes, okay? And if I lied, I'm sorry. I go along sometimes. If you say preach, if you, if you talk back, I go faster, okay? All right. Come on. You, if, I get, if it gets really good, just wave that legacy offering uh, banner in there. Take your time, preacher. We have fun at Active Church. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this building opportunity. And Lord, we know it's not, church is not about a building. It's about a people. It's about a congregation, a gathering set apart to do your will on this planet. It's, it's a bunch of us, Lord, that we're all sinners, saved by grace, now living on purpose, living with a purpose to make Jesus famous, to make the message of the cross, Lord, uh, accessible to everyone that wants to hear it. So Lord, I thank you for this season. I thank you for the generosity of our church that's helped us get to this place. May you uh, just continue to pour out your blessing and favor on this, on this church and the churches in our city. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. We're in a series we're starting today called Build Your Church, and the, the sermon title for today is The Church. Now, I don't know about you, but what comes to mind, like when you think about, you don't have to say it out loud, but what, what comes to mind when I, when I say church? What do you think about? Maybe it's uh, people, maybe it's your grandma, maybe it's uh, singing, maybe it's stained glass pews. I don't know what it is for you, but, but most people, I'll tell you, what you think about when you hear the word church is probably a far cry from what the people of the first century thought about when they heard the word church, because honestly, that word has a lot of weight to it. And I love the church. I, I've, I've given my life to this thing called the local church. I remember growing up, I used to, uh, I used to hate going to church, to be honest with you. I was like, oh. And the only thing that got me through church was my grandma had candy, okay? Why do grandmas always have, they always have those strawberry candies. Remember those? And like trident gum, okay? So Grandma Connie, she, she had like always had these strawberry candies. And if I was good, meaning like I didn't like go to sleep on the pew or whatever. Um, and I, there's always like this, like there's always the kneeling part. I went to Catholic mass. And so you had the, the, the soft, like little squishy part. And I wanted to sit down there and play. And my grandma would never let me do that. Grandma, rest in peace. We'll see you soon. Um, but I remember she would give me candy. She'd go, if you are good, I'll give you candy. And that was the only thing I liked about church. That's why last week, Candy Palooza, come on, we gave everyone candy. Because I want all the kids to go, you know, that whole church thing isn't that bad. They give you candy. And one day they'll grow up and they'll go, you know what? I think I need to go back to church or stay in church or serve in the church. But the church, back in the day, they didn't think about buildings or rows or pews or or robes or hymnals or anything like that, or bands or, or budgets or buildings. They didn't have any of that. They just thought, man, the church was simply a gathering of people who came together around one belief that Christ has been crucified, he rose from the grave, and we are here as witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive and well, and he lives among you and I. He lives in us and through us by the power of the Spirit. That was the church in the beginning. And that was enough. The church started as a movement, and today we are recipients. We are continuing the movement. From the moment that Jesus resurrected from the tomb, the moment that he showed people, hey, look at my hands, look at my side, look, look, I'm, I'm alive. See, the local church wasn't started when, when, when Jesus started teaching good things, although it was amazing, his teachings, the scriptures, the doctrines, the, the revelation of who God was through Jesus. That's not necessarily when the local church started. The local church started the day 
Day one started when the Spirit of God was, which fell like, like tongues of fire on these men and women, about 120 people in the upper room. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. What does it mean for us to build God's church with him as he builds his church? What does that mean for us? The church is God's plan A for humanity, and there is no plan B. Now, the Greek word translated for church in the New Testament is this word, ekklesia. Ekklesia, it means that there's an assembly or a gathering. So it's not a place necessarily, it's an assembly of people. But the English term church kind of gets a little wonky because it comes from an entirely different Greek term, meaning uh, of the Lord. So this was kind of something that the Greeks, or sorry, the Goths in 300 AD, they, they renamed the church. They, this is kind of geeky and nerdy, but I want to kind of set the tone for the next few weeks because I want us to understand and define the church and what it is and what it isn't. See, in about 300 AD, the Goths renamed this, this idea of church and they started calling it the German word, I can't pronounce, but it's like Kirsch. And it meant the Lord's house. No longer, they, they went from an ecclesia, like a, a, a ecclesia, to this place, a physical location. And so what happened was when people made it about a place, the Kirsch, when they made it about the, the controlling the house, what happened was people, people do what people do and they got greedy and they got evil. And what happened was for a long time, and if you study church history, there was a season where people used the church to control, to control the people. And the people were eventually uh, manipulated by the government using the church. And there's a whole, this kind of whole really dark period of, of the church where they were going after people and doing it, using the church and abusing the church. And, and here's what happened. This idea went from a place, or excuse me, went from a group of people gathering as an assembly. And it went to this, this place and it kind of fixed into this control season. And here's what happened. In the 16th century, a English scholar by the name of William Tyndale did something really bold. William is known as the father of the modern English Bible. And here's what he did. He actually changed the way that we related with God because he says, you know what? Church of England, I think you guys are doing it wrong. I think you're using the Bible to control the people because the word of God was not translated in modern, wasn't, it was still in Greek and Hebrew. And so he goes, I'm gonna translate it to English so that every boy, every girl, every man, every woman can know um, the message of Jesus in their own language. They can understand the Bible and they can know the scriptures themselves. And that's exactly what he did. William Tyndale took the Bible and he translated it. And this was scandalous. And it actually caused him to be a person of interest. The government wanted to kill him because of what he did. He rebelled against this kind of tyrannical church and government. And what happened next was, was incredible because the power of the church was no longer localized to the people that controlled the message of the Bible. The power of the church was given back to the people and it revolutionized the way that we understood God. And, and here's what happened. This man, William Tyndale, was, he, he, told, he, he was once quoted by saying this. Here's the quote. He said, if God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scriptures than thou dost. What's he saying? He's saying, if I can get this Bible into the hands of the people, then man, 
they're gonna know more about scripture than all you religious people combined. And so what happened was in 1524, he fled to England, he fled, fled, fled England to Germany where his first version of the New Testament was published and he smuggled it back into England. He continued to translate the Bible until a good friend of his betrayed him. Ouch, stabbed him in the back, turned him over to the authorities. And then in 1536, he was, ha- he was hanged and he was uh, burned at the stake for translating the Bible. Think about the welcome he got in heaven when he, was, when he went in there. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, one of the things that drove the church leaders in his day crazy was this, that, that he wasn't actually taking this congregation. He changed the word back from kirsch, back to church. He actually used the word ecclesia for, the, for this idea of church. And that's where I'm going today. That he moved the focus back from, from the people that controlled everything. He moved it back to the people of God. And that's exactly what God intended from day one. And he was right because Matthew chapter 16, we see Jesus. And Jesus references this. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks his disciples, he goes, hey, who do people say that I am? Who, who do they say that I am? And, and here's what Jesus said. Or here's what they said. They go, Jesus, some think that you're like John the Baptist reincarnate. And then another one said, you know, Jesus, some have said that you're Elijah, the prophet. You're like the Old Testament prophet. Like you've come back and, and you're the prophet. And then he looks at Peter. Who, who, who do you say? And Peter goes, I know who you are. Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, verse 18, watch this. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my gathering, my church people. I will build my assembly and the gates of Hades or the gates of death will not overcome it. That was the first time we saw Jesus talking about this thing called the ecclesia. Fast forward, 50 some, like about two weeks later, 50, or two months later, almost 57 days later, his gathering officially launches. Luke, in the book of Acts, Luke was a physician in this day. He actually, the gospel of Luke is written by none other than Luke. And the book of Acts was also written by Luke. And here's what it says in Acts chapter one, because Jesus, we know that Jesus goes to the cross. He dies for your sins, dies for my sins. He gets put in a, in a, in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, what happens? He raises again from the dead. And we only talk about this on Easter. And it's kind of the main thing of what we're here for, guys. If he didn't come out, out of that grave, none of us would be here. We'd be singing songs, but we're like, he's still dead. What, 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 what difference is this than any other religion? Our, the reason why this is a religion, by the way, people say it's not a religion, it's a relationship. I would say, well, technically it is a religion, <laughs> but it's more than a religion. Here's why. It's a relationship with a God that died. He went to hell. The Bible says he had to get the keys to Hades. You know why he had to go to hell? Because the keys were locked on the inside. So the Bible actually says that Jesus died, went to hell, went into hell, got into the door and took the keys from the inside. And he comes back and says, hey, guess what? Death is dead. I'm victorious over life, death, and the grave. Nothing can stop my God. And he's got the keys, now he's got the keys to death in Hades and nothing will ever stop this thing called the local church. And here's what happens. 
In Acts chapter one, 40 days he spends with his followers and he tells his people, hey, don't go public until the Holy Spirit comes. And to which they're like, okay, Holy Spirit, got it. So when they met together, verse, uh, Acts one, verse six. So when they met together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? What they were waiting for was like, when are we, now's the time. Like we saw you die. Now you're here. This is awesome. Like now the, the kingdom of God is gonna be established on earth. And Jesus is like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. He goes, basically he says, this is not what we're doing yet. He goes, and he, he says this, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To which the Holy, all the disciples are like, power? Awesome. What's the power for? What are we gonna do? And here's what he says. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Pause, what's a witness? A witness is someone who testifies or affirms to something that happened. He's saying, hey, disciples, you are gonna be my witnesses, just like in a court of law. Like if you saw someone get mugged and you're like, I saw the guy, he was running down the street, he was wearing a hat, he was about five foot seven, he, he, he mugged this lady, he took her purse, he was wearing this. You would witness, you'd be a witness on the stand, right? If you'd have to go across the street and you have to, a few months later, you'd be called as a witness, you would simply just go, your honor, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. And you would sit there and you would be asked a series of questions by the prosecuting attorney. And you would just say, you wouldn't have to have all the answers. You wouldn't have to know the guy's backstory. You, would not, you wouldn't have to know all the things that happened leading up to that. You know what you would just say? Your honor, here's what I saw. And that's exactly what the disciples were called to do. And that's exactly what you and I are called to do witness to the goodness of God and what he's done in your life. That's it. They're called the witness say, we saw Jesus die. We saw him buried. And on the third day, we saw him raised again. I don't know how he did it, but he's God. Anyone comes, if anyone calls their shot, they're like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna come back to life. And they hit a home run, they come back to life. You follow that guy, okay? Yeah, that's what I do. I follow him because he died and came back. So they went back to Jerusalem. Here's what happens. There's about 120 of them. And they go back to Jerusalem and they wait for two weeks. And Luke, who researched all of this, tells us that the apostles, some women, including Mary and the brothers of Jesus, they one day on the day of Pentecost, this was a Jewish holiday. This was like the, the people would have been flooded. Jewish people, Jewish converts would have been uh, all come from all over to celebrate this day of Pentecost. It would have been kind of like Passover, all partying it up, having fun, the streets are filled. And what happens is about 120 of them come and they gather up in this upper room and they're waiting and they're praying and they're testifying to God. They remember when Jesus healed the, the lame man? Remember when Jesus, they're always talking about God and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on this place. And all of a sudden everyone can hear the gospel message in their own tongue. The Holy Spirit comes and people are professing God and they're sharing all these things. They're like, and all of a sudden they're going, how am I, you're a Galilean, but you're speaking my language in 14 different languages, 14 different tongues. People can hear the good news about Jesus in their own native tongue and the Holy Spirit filled the believers and the room was electric people. I'm talking like the Holy Spirit comes, like you get Holy Spirit goosebumps sometimes. It'd be like the most amazing moment of your life. And you're just like, I can feel power coming and filling this room. You know, the power of God is evidence that God is working in a local church. So 
how do we use power? People don't need to be explained the Holy Spirit. They need to see people living out boldly their faith, showing God, hey, I believe that God can heal. I believe that God can still restore things. So people were completely raptured up in this Holy, the Holy Spirit's power. And the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who believes in God. Raise your hand if you got, got Holy Spirit power living in you right now. Come on, somebody. You gotta be reminded of that next time you're having a bad day. You gotta start, God, Holy Spirit, come and just, man, give me strength right now, right? I saw this, uh, this funny thing on Instagram where it's this girl, she goes, Holy Spirit, activate, activate. And I was like, that's not a bad idea. Holy Spirit, activate. Every day, just wake up, Holy Spirit, activate. That's not theological, but uh, it's fun. So the Holy Spirit falls and all these different people can hear their own language. What does that tell me? This was not a Jewish movement. This was an everybody movement. Every tribe, every tongue. And they asked basically, what does this mean? And the, here's where it starts. The church, day one starts right here. Peter stood up. There's thousands of people in, in, in the city and Peter gets up on day one the mailers have been sent out, the Instagram posts, the Facebook, the stories, all, everyone's word of mouth inviting people. No, that's not how it started. That's not how the first church started. The Holy Spirit came and empowered men that were once cowards and women that were once just trying to follow Jesus low key. All of a sudden, Peter stands up in front of the crowd, the masses of people, and he gets up in Acts chapter two, he says, people of Israel, <clears throat> I have something to say. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, signs, and wonders, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know, to which they would have said, yeah, I remember that. I saw, I saw Jesus heal that guy, and I saw that blind man that could walk, and, or they could, well, he could walk before, but now he could see too. <laughs> He's a much better walker now. can't write this stuff, folks. He says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Pause. Nobody killed Jesus. He went willingly to the cross. You can't kill someone that was born to die for the sins of the world. You can't kill him. Yes, Judas betrayed him. Yes, the Roman soldiers apprehended him, but nobody took God to the cross. Nobody, he went willingly up on that cross to die for the sins of humanity. That's the, that's the amazing part of the gospel. He died for people that didn't deserve it. That's what love is. Some of you guys need to be reminded today, love is not about a feeling, a warm fuzzy. It's not when they get their stuff together, then I'll love them. It's love is saying, I love you no matter what you do. I love you because I love you. Because God loves me and he calls me to love people. So I love you. And Jesus went up on that cross with the foreknowledge. He knew, he knew. And you, with the help of wicked men, watch this, he tells the crowd, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. I could just imagine, like, they're like, Peter, dude, chill, man, come on. We're trying to tell people the good news. Isn't it funny how when people really, really love you, they'll tell you the truth? Yeah. 
If you don't love someone, you don't tell them the truth. I, I, my kids ask me all the time, why does it matter? Why, do you, why? I said, guys, I love you, so I have to discipline you. If I didn't love you, like those kids aren't my kids. I can't tell them what to do, but you're mine and I love you. So I have to tell you when you're making mistakes, I have to correct you. I have to show you the right way because real love tells you the truth. And Peter is dropping truth bombs right now. He's saying, hey, remember Jesus whom you crucified, the one you put to death? He says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the glory, from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death couldn't hold him. And God raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of that fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, Peter says, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, he says to these Jewish people. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, they're saying, what do we do? How do we get right with Jesus? Because obviously you're testifying to the truth. What do we do? And he says, be baptized, repent. In the, in, the, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. Who are the far off people? Me. You. We are recipients of this message. You were once far off. I was once far off. Like, oh, there's still people that are still far off. That's why the local church has to keep growing. And in order for us to keep growing, we need everybody to do their part. You are important in the kingdom of God because you have a purpose that only God has wired you to do on this earth. And God has called us together for such a time as this to build his church. And those who, that message, those who accepted the message that day were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000, and the church was born. 3,000 people from 14 different language groups believed in the name that Jesus is above every other name, that he could forgive sins, that he was, he was crucified, buried, and resurrected so that you could trust him, that he is the son of God because he can overcome the grave. That's the, that's the message. It's not about a man. It wasn't about Peter. It wasn't about you know, having some cool uh, service and, and all these things. And everything we do is to reach people far from God, but it was all about proclaiming the truth of who Jesus was. And sometimes I'm, I, people say all the time, well, Adam, I don't, I don't know, you know, you're trying to reach all these people. You're just trying to build a big church. Um, I'm trying to populate heaven. People are going to hell and I want them to go to heaven. I don't want anyone to die and, and suffer. You, it's like I have the keys to, to salvation. I have the antidote to, to what ails people. We have the, we have, it's like everyone is, is drinking something that's poisonous. They didn't know it. And we have the antidote. We can say, hey, man, I'm telling you, this is the way out. This is the antidote for what you have. You have sinned. All of us have fallen short. We all are broken. We all have junk and issues. I got issues. You got issues. But, man, my God has made a way. There's a life preserver. There's a, there's a parachute you can put on. Like, we're all jumping out the plane, and some of you don't have your parachutes on. 
And some of us just need to be like, hey, so one day people are gonna look at you like, why do you got that? It looks like uncomfortable. You're kind of walking around like, no, I'm telling you, dude, this thing can save your life. Put this thing on. And some of us have believed that and some of us are still maybe kind of kicking the tires. Can I, can I just implore you? Can I just beg you? Will you place your trust in Jesus, man? It's not about a religion necessarily. It's not about all the rules. It's way more than that. It's about having a relationship with a God that can forgive you of your sins. He can wipe your shame away. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. I'm telling you, will you place your trust in Jesus if you haven't done that? And if you have, will you tell somebody about what God's done in your life? Will we be a church that does that? So what does this all mean for us? So what, Adam? Jesus did that. I'm glad you asked so sarcastically. What does this mean for us? Here's what it means. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're, if you're not taking notes, write it down. Number one, you don't go to the church. You are the church. You are the, you, the Bible says that all of us, all of us, Peter says, we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador to do? Ambassadors are representatives of, of a nation. In this case, we're representing God to the people. We're representing, and guess what we do? Before we start telling people about God, we should tell God about the people I'm trying to reach. So instead of telling your neighbor about Jesus, first start talking to God about your neighbor. Say, God, I know, Lord, that they, they want, they're a good person. They, they love people, but Lord, I don't know where they're at with you, God. So would you give me boldness to invite them, to encourage them, to, to build a relationship with them? Maybe that coworker, whoever that is, would you start talking to God about those people in your life? That family member that you love so dearly? that you're gonna see on Thanksgiving and you're gonna argue about politics. That one, God wants to reach them. The, the, the teenager that is in your family that's doing everything they shouldn't right now, God wants to reach that person. They, they should be part of our youth ministry. But you know how he's gonna do it? They're probably never gonna, the only Bible that some people will ever read is gonna be your life. You're the church. So well, I'm not, no, I'm not a pastor. No, 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 you're, you're not a pastor, but the Bible says that you're a minister, that you're actually, you are actually a saint called, set apart to do God's work, that you've been called a, a priest, a royal priest to be called into God's kingdom. And the minute you accepted Jesus as your savior, the minute you did that, you had your own ministry kind of given to you. And it was called the ministry of you. And you're gonna go tell people about what God has done. And you're gonna be a, a, the hands and feet of Jesus to a, to a world that so desperately needs Hope. You don't go to church, you are the church. In this day and age, the church wasn't for church people. There was no church yet. There was no place. Oh, that's where churchy people go on Sundays. That's what they do. They don't watch football, they go to church. Go Niners. I don't even know if we're doing good. The church wasn't about a location because there was no location yet. The church wasn't about, uh, you know, a style or a liturgy, or, or, or a, a, you know, a, a kind of a ritualistic approach. There was no style, there was no liturgy, there was no a, approaches, there was just Jesus, and he was die, dead, and then he lives, and now we're telling people all about this God that can save your sins because he is the Messiah and the Lord, and he was pr proved to be that by signs and wonders. That's the message that we're still telling people. I don't know about you, but I don't have all the answers, but I know the God that does. Can I get an amen? amen. The, number two, the mission 
of the church. The mission of the church was and still is to create followers of Jesus Christ. That's it. Great commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. What does it mean to make disciples? People that will follow Jesus. Not people that are interested in Jesus. That's, that's cool. If you're interested in Jesus, I'm glad you're here. But can I tell you, that's not the goal. Because interested people don't commit to anything. Interested people go, oh, I'll check it out. I'm glad you're here. Check it out. Keep coming. If you have questions, we all do. Keep coming. But can I tell you something? Our heart for you is that you wouldn't just be halfway in, that you'd be fully devoted to Christ that you would give your life, you would lay your life down. To see the paradoxical gospel is this, that if you try to save your life, like you try to like do it halfway, you'll actually lose it. But anyone, Jesus says, who loses his life for my sake will find it. It's so crazy that when you give your life away, you actually receive eternal life. When you lay your life down for others, you actually receive glory from your Father in heaven. And all the stuff that happens on this earth actually doesn't matter. It's all about what happens and lasts for eternity. So when you think about your life and you think about getting, and I know we get caught up in the trap of comparison and how big is my house and do I have a Tesla and do I have these types of things? I, I get it. I like nice stuff. You like nice stuff. It's okay to like nice stuff. But here's what happens when you and I forget that our main purpose on this earth is to glorify our Father in heaven and we forget that our main purpose is to point people back to Jesus. We get caught up in all this stuff that's, that's really at the end of our lives isn't going to matter for anything. The only thing that will matter is what we did for God and who we loved on this earth. And the local church is the vehicle that God uses. I don't know why he uses it. Sometimes I, I, I know I've been a part of church for a long time. Some messed up stuff happens in churches sometimes. Broken people do broken things. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I trust this whole thing. I get it. But listen, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Would you move, remove the idea of church being a place or, or a, just a pastor or a, a man? That's not, that's not what it's about. Would you just remember that the local church is what Christ came to institute? And on day one of the local church, thousands of people came to faith in Christ, not because of a man, not because of a band or a building, not because of a, a, you know, some sort of liturgy. They came to Christ because they were broken and they needed a savior. And Jesus was the answer. He still is the answer. He still is the savior of the world. And God still has the whole world in his hands. He's not done saving broken people. And the mission of the local church will always be to help people connect to the God that can save them. Number three, active church, the local church exists because of people like you. People that give, serve, pray, play music, connect through life groups. Active church exists because of people like you. Every single time you gather together and you lift up a voice, like when we do baptism service next, I'm not sure when, I gotta find out when baptism, we're, we're scheduling baptism soon. Next time we do baptism Sunday, Sunday, many of you are gonna get baptized and we're gonna cheer for you in Jesus' name when you get baptized because we're going from death to life, baby, come on. Every time you gather, every time you pray for someone at your office or at your school, or you pray for someone, or you just gather together in your homes for a study, a Bible study, you're the local church. You're building his church.
church every single time you stop and you take time out of your weekend to, to invest in active church and you lift up the name of Jesus and you praise his name you're building the local church you are the church and the reason we exist isn't for us we exist for a dark and broken world that needs to know that even though it seems hopeless sometimes there's always hope when Jesus is involved amen I don't know about you, but my life hasn't always been great. I've had dark days, I've had bad days, I've had days where, even recently, man, I, my wife and I, we're just praying like, we got, we're pregnant, but it's, it's been a tough pregnancy already. And there's days where I wake up and I'm like, God, I'm believing, trusting, it's hard. But then I remember, man, I got people in my life that, that love me. I got people that are connected to, I had a friend last night, he's like, hey dude, how are you doing? I'm fine, pray for me. He's like, what do you need? I'm like, no, nothing. <laughs> just, just pray for us. He goes, hey, listen. And I could tell the inflection he used in the text. Listen, dot, dot, dot. There's gonna come a day where I'm gonna need something from you. <laughs> and when that happens, I'm gonna ask you. Right now, what do you need from me? And I'm like, dude, the dishes need to be done. The laundry is done. I gotta cook dinner tonight because Stacy's on bed rest and I got kids to feed. I said, dude, could you maybe dinner? And he's like, done. What do you want? I'm like, what? I don't say that because I'm, like, I'm getting free, free dinner, which praise God for that. Uh, it's awesome. I say that, here's why. It's because I'm connected to a local church of people that love me and are for me. You're the local church. And number four, we'll end with this. The church is the only thing that God is still building. This thing, this ecclesia, this gathering of God's people, not just a physical building, but the people of God, he's still building you. God's still got stuff that he wants to do in your life. You're not done. He's not done building your life. He's faithful to complete the good work that he began in you. So stand, let's stand up right now. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Our feet, our feet, whatever getting excited.